You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey, everyone. Tim McMaster here, along with not Thomas Harding, our MLB.com Rockies reporter. Filling in, we have Richard Justice. Richard, thanks for taking some time this week to fill in for Thomas as he enjoys some much-deserved time off. Thank you, Tim. I'm glad to be here with you. All right. Well, as far as the Rockies go, obviously a great season in 2017 as they get back to the postseason. And a lot of the credit for that has gone to first-year manager Bud Black, who finished third in Tuesday's Manager of the Year announcement. Uh, Tori Lovello finishing first, Dave Roberts finishing second, all three of the finalists from the National League West, which was such a good division in 2017. But when you look at what Bud Black did with this team, obviously there's talent there, there's young pitching, there's star power. But what was he able to do to kind of bring it all together in 2017? Well, the first thing is he pointed up what a, an unbelievably great offseason and season the general manager Jeff Breidich had. Uh, to bring in Bud Black, you get a guy with instant credibility, a guy who you know, had pitched in the major leagues, who spent uh, nine seasons with the Padres, and he got a bad rap uh, in San Diego because they only, won, they only uh, had two winning records. But this was a time of constant transition for the Rockies. Here's what Bud brings to the table. He knows pitching better than anybody. He knows how to manage the bullpen, and he brings communication skills. Beyond that, Tim, there's a, there's a likability factor with Bud. If you know Bud, you like Bud. And I think in an, inform, in a, in an age of baseball where there's, there's av- an avalanche of information, it's how you, how you translate that information to your players and get them to buy in and get a good, solid effort every night. And Bud Black is one of those guys that players, A, like, and they respect, and they want to play for. I'm I'm telling you, you know, uh, A.J. Hinch of the Astros, Brad Osmus, formerly of the Tigers, those are among the people really close to Buddy, and they are happier for Bud probably than they would be for themselves. That's, That's that's what Bud Black brings to the table. Pretty much everything you want in a manager, that's Bud Black. When he was in San Diego, obviously there was some tough years there yeah. where the talent just wasn't there, and he ended up uh, leaving that job. Um, but when you look at what he did there the last couple of years, you could almost tell that he was to a degree frustrated um, just with the fact that, that that team, no matter who was the manager, wasn't going to win with the talent they had on the field. Did you get a feeling that he kind of was a different guy this year with, with a talented Rockies team? You know, I think he's uh, – and, and I could, Mike Socia's like this, is, and, and that's interesting because Buddy was on the staff with Mike Socia. And I think the great ones like that, and on that staff, you know, there was Joe Madden and Ron Rennecke, Um They just look at us, the small picture. Did this guy get better today? Did, did we have a good week? Do we focus on our base running? So, yeah, he was – I think Bud was frustrated in San Diego by the constant management turnover, by the differing agendas. Uh, are we going to spend money? Are we going to b- cut the payroll? All those different things. There was never seen to be a consistency of message. And at one point, he – you know, A.J. Hinch was the acting 
general manager out there, and uh, they they worked hand in hand together, and they had a plan. They were going. I mean, I think you know, had had the Padres left those two guys in place, I think they would they would have gotten the franchise back. But when he went to Colorado, he knew what he had. He had first of all, your your ballpark's going to be nearly full every night. The other thing is, you know, you're going to have great position players with guys like Charlie Blackman, DJ LeMahieu, and Carlos Gonzalez, all those guys, and um, you got a bunch of young pitchers, and that plays right in to Bud Black's strength. So, yeah, he was excited about it. He was excited about the full ballpark. But I think he's one of those guys that's a baseball lifer. He's been doing this his whole adult life, that he just likes showing up and putting on the uniform and confronting that day's challenge. You mentioned the stability that he brought, obviously, to the clubhouse and this team. But I feel like as an organization, Richard, the Rockies are a franchise that for a while there seemed to maybe not have a direction and made decisions that made people kind of scratch their heads a little bit. And by hiring Bud Black, it almost kind of washed all that away because you had a guy who had been around, um, who was liked within the game, who was respected, and now he's kind of that face of the organization. Did you get that feeling, too, that him coming in, not just what he did for the team, but it seemed like he did something for the overall organization's feel and vibe? Yeah, it was a home run for the Rockies because he was offered the uh, Nationals job. The, the, the thing broke down over our, our contract negotiations. Other teams, I think, including the Braves, had an interest with Bud. And, and any job that opened during the season, Bud was going to be number one. So to get him there, to get him out of his home in San Diego and to convince him, hey, we've got a plan. And uh, you, you, you come here and you work with me, Jeff Breidich. You work with me and we're going to do this thing. And, and Breidich was great. I mean, Greg Holland turned out to be the smartest free agent signing in baseball last year. Mark Reynolds, a minor league deal. Gerardo Parra was a great signing. You get Nishak and LaCroix at the deadline. You know, it was it was a good time to be a manager. But again, you know, a lot of their their improvement came down to the young pitchers. You know, guys like Hoffman and um, uh, and Chatwood and and Sinzadella, John Gray and. That that development, those steps forward began with Bud Black's credibility. Yeah, and it's those young pitchers that I think have uh, the baseball world on uh, on alert that the Rockies could be good for some time to come. You mentioned Jun- Jonathan Lucroy and, and bringing him over, and it sounds like Radich would love to bring Jonathan Lucroy back. How would he fit into that team coming back as a free agent in 2018 with the rest of that roster? Well, um he fits in beautifully. I mean, it was Statcast. <laughs> Statcast had a had a, had a stat that uh, after he got to the Rockies, he only swung at eight pitches outside the strike zone in the whole time he was there. And you looked at that and go, "Can that be right? Can I go back and see every one of those pitches?" <laughs> but beyond that, beyond the plate discipline, the fact that offensive catchers are hard to find, it's that a few catchers handle pitching staffs better than than Jonathan Lucroy, and that's important because. When you have a young pitcher, all you want the catcher to do is get the guy into a rhythm and and the confidence to execute the pitch that you're called. Don't think about anything. Just do what I tell you to do, and, and that's part of that's part of the secret of Jonathan Lacroix. And also, in a, in a clubhouse, you know they have a good vibe there now with with Blackman and with some of those young position players and, and all that. And uh, Lacroix fits into that. He's a guy that takes as much pride on the overall aspect of the team as on his own job. And guys like that, you could call it, he's a star. He's, a, he's an all-star, but you could call him a glue guy, too. So 
you know, the, what's the money going to be? I, I, I would assume the Rockies, they have money to spend, and, and they have the hometown advantage. He's been there. He knows that Denver's a great place to live. He knows that Coors Field is a great offensive park to play in. And he knows also that with all those young pitchers uh, coming around, the Rockies have a chance to, uh, to be competitive here for the next few years. And there is a point, and, and John, Jonathan Lucor is at that point in his career where uh, winning matters. He's going to get a lot of money wherever he wants to go, but I don't know that he's going to get a, a situation that matches up perfectly uh, as perfectly as this one. And especially he knows it and he wants to be there and they want him. Yeah, and starting pitching so expensive, such an advantage to have homegrown young starters. You don't have to spend the money there. You can spend it elsewhere, even if you're not a big market team like the Rockies are not. Um, there's a big focus this offseason for the Rockies on the bullpen, obviously. You mentioned Holland and what a great signing he is. Expected to turn down the qualifying offer on Thursday, so they'll have to replace him. Neshek, McGee, also free agents. I mean, they need a full overhaul of that bullpen. Yeah, and the confidence, if you're a Rockies fan, the confidence you would have is that Brightest did such a great job acquiring those guys. I mean, I mean, Greg, Greg Holland was out there on the market until late January. I don't see them being a player for Wade Davis. I, I, I don't, I'm not even sure a guy like Mike Miner, he may get more money than they're willing to spend. And I think what you're looking for in bullpen construction now is quality as much as quantity. I think Brightest feels that Adam Oravino will, will be better than he was in, in 2017, that Carlos Estevez, Scott Oberg, those guys. And then you look at the free agent market. You know, after you get past Holland and Davis and Minor, then you're into Brandon, uh, Brandon Morrow and Brian Shaw and Shashin and Anthony Swarzag, who was dominant with two different teams last year, um, Brandon Kinsler. I, you know, there are answers out there that I think would fit in their, in their overall payroll. It's going to acquire listening to your baseball people because – I don't see the Rockies. I think if they make a big-ticket signing, it's going to be LaCroix, and then you just try to piece it together with quality. And also, they have so many young arms in their rotation that uh, uh, one or two of those guys surely will end up in the bullpen. All right, outstanding stuff, Richard. Thanks so much for filling in and joining us. Thank you, Tim. This has been MLB.com Extras, our Rockies edition. For Richard Justice, I'm Tim McMaster. Tune in again next time. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.